Hey there, welcome to Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do, that we do. And this week, I'm excited because I am introducing Scott to a movie that I have loved for a very long time, but also haven't seen in quite a while, in honor of what would be typical oscar season about this time there there still is a little bit of oscar buzz trickling out right around now but it's definitely not as prevalent as it normally would be so in honor of that i'm going to watch one of my favorite oscar movies with scotty we're watching slumdog millionaire released in 2008 yeah i remember all the buzz this movie got back in 2008 and I avoided it for a long time <laughs> because I thought it was a Hollywood musical. Yeah, we didn't realize this until like halfway through the movie and we're watching this pretty intense, you know, drama going on and Scott just looks over at me and he's like, I thought this was a musical. I'm like, why would you think that? <laughs> no. And he's like, yeah, I get that now, but for some reason I thought it was a musical. And then I remembered what happens at the very end of this movie during the end credits. And if you've seen this movie, you know what I'm talking about. And then I remembered, oh, maybe that's why you thought that. But (laughs) no, for the vast majority of this film, it is just a straight drama. Well, yeah, because back in 2008, we were sophomores in high school. And A, I wasn't really into Oscar movies. B, I thought this was a Bollywood musical that I was... I'm like, I looked around and all these people who were talking about it, I'm like, why is everybody into Bollywood musicals? <laughs> like, what, what? what is this? What? What's going on? So, for me, this movie, I think I've talked about this before briefly on a very early episode of our, our podcast, but this was around the time that I really got into the Oscars and, you know, before anyone has a cow, I, I do realize that the Oscars are problematic in a lot of ways. <laughs> but on the other side of the coin, I think that they offer an opportunity to be exposed to movies that maybe you wouldn't have normally watched before. Some of which being clearly very Oscar baity, but some of them are not some of them are actually like unique quality fucking films the most recent and obvious example i can think of is jojo rabbit was nominated for best picture won best adapted screenplay last year my favorite movie of last year probably one of my favorite movies ever well then of course you also have to go with like parasite and well of course parasite yeah i mean that's that's a movie that i feel like a lot of people probably wouldn't have watched if it wasn't so historically in the running for best picture and yeah yeah, being an international feature and all that stuff so i acknowledge completely that the oscars have their issues and i hope that over time they'll get better i know that there are attempts at that and all we can do is just you know keep pressing for that change and that improvement but i do think that there are a lot of benefits to it and a lot of fun to it as well so i enjoy the oscars in this movie particularly is really the, the main movie i think of when i think of how i got into the oscars because this movie kind of toes that line between clearly a movie that was made in an attempt to get oscars like this is that kind of dramatic film yes however 
it also has that general audience accessibility, that likability that appeals to a lot of people. Like, you know, me being the Oscar nerd that I am, it's not too much of a shock that I like this movie. Well, recently, Scott and I were talking about that we had to watch this movie for the show, and my mom was nearby and she overheard us talking about it and my mom is not really I mean she likes movies but she's she's like an average consumer of film she's not like a nerd about it like me and Scott and she literally shot into the room and was like oh my god you're watching Slumdog I love that movie so it's definitely one of those Oscar movies that appeal to general audiences which a lot of time doesn't happen so when it does happen it's, it's kind of a big to do so I'm excited to talk about this. Scott, what did you think of Slumdog Millionaire? Um, I know you weren't looking forward to watching it, really, but... I wasn't. Again, I thought I was walking into a Bollywood musical. Yeah, I did not expect what I got, so I I had to readjust on the fly. I think... I I definitely like it. I like the movie. Okay. That's good. (laughs) We're off to a good start. (laughs) I like most of the acting... There's some people who I'm like, eh, you know. I... Okay, we'll talk about that. <laughs> the editing gets a little weird sometimes. The editing does, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's at certain times it's fine. I get the stylistic choices of it, but there are times where it's a little jarring. And it kind of, it, it threw me off a little bit here and there. Okay, so you're, you're saying that you like it. I, I do like it. I do like it. Um, I'm not, again, I'm not saying it's a perfect movie. It's, it's, it's a good movie. It is a good movie. Okay. I know it was like nominated against things like, uh, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, but I'm not even sure how strong a class this was other than the, those two movies. Well, let's, let's talk about that. Let's, let's jump right into the Oscar tea, shall we? Oh, sure. So... Slumdog Millionaire absolutely swept at the 2009 Oscars. It was nominated for 10, count them, 10 Oscars uh, uh, uh. and won eight of them. Let's start with Best Picture since that's what you just referenced there. It did win Best Picture, which made me super happy. I remember back then it was nominated with only four other movies that year, which now, I mean... I don't remember when exactly they extended the amount that could be nominated for Best Picture. Like, now I think the number 10 is the most. Yeah, but they Um, never do 10. Yeah, but this was only five. So it it won against The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Frost Nixon, Milk, the uh, Harvey Milk movie with Sean Penn, and The Reader, which I don't even know what that is. Okay. Sounds boring, though. <laughs> well. So I, I think this is definitely the the clear winner, I would say. <laughs> I know Frost Nixon's got a lot of, like, love around <sighs> it because it does, it's a big point in American history. Yeah, I, I don't, I haven't seen that in a long, long time. I just remember it being kind of boring. The other Oscars that Slumdog won were Best Director for Danny Boyle, who also directed movies such as Train Spotting, 127 Hours, and uh, most recently, Yesterday. When did you write that? I didn't write it. Paul McCartney wrote it. The Beatles. The what? Which I, neither Scott nor I really loved, which kind of stinks because I'm like a big Beatles fan, so I was kind of made to love that movie, but I only 
thought it was okay. The, and I, I like the music, but that was pretty much it. The <laughs> world of the movie doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I think the, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with this feeling but i think the point that danny boyle was trying to get across is that like it doesn't really matter it's not the point of the movie but like it's annoying because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense and it's it just sticks in your craw like why why doesn't coca-cola exist <laughs> oh why doesn't cigarettes exist like these random things were just randomly yeah. like and it was with no rhyme or reason like if it was just the beatles which w- that would have been fine like okay, I could have accepted that, but it was just random things that random into. Oh, Harry Potter doesn't exist at yeah, the end of the movie. Yeah, it was it was weird, guys. It, the music is worth listening to, but other than that, it's like whatever. So it also won for adapted screenplay, and the movie was a loose adaptation of the novel Q and A by Vikas Swarup. I'm sorry if I'm saying that incorrectly. I'm sure I am, but the screenplay was written by Simon Beaufoy who also wrote 127 Hours and also wrote the more recent film Battle of the Sexes. I actually enjoyed that one. The The tennis one. Billie Jean King movie. That was a great movie. I enjoyed that movie. And Slumdog also won awards for its cinematography, editing, sound mixing, and also score and original song. Now, the score... And the songs in the movie were written by A.R. Rahman. He is an Indian singer and composer, prominently works in like Hindi films. He's won two Grammys. He's pretty well known. He composed the soundtrack for this film in 20 days. That seems quick. It does. But like the music in this movie is really good. Yeah. It had two nominations for original song. It had the song Osaya and the winning song Jai Ho, which comes on at the end of the movie. And also at the time of this movie's release, I recall distinctly they had a uh, like a remix version with the Pussycat Dolls. Because the Pussycat Dolls were a thing in the early 2000s. So, okay. (laughs) The only category that this movie lost was sound editing. And it lost to another pretty iconic film that came out that year, The Dark Knight. Okay, makes sense. So, despite that though, this movie fucking killed the Oscars. It destroyed. That's a weird fucking year for movies. Yeah. Dark Knight and fucking Slumdog. Can I just say how I think it's a real shit show that uh, Dev Patel, who starred in this movie, did not get an acting nomination? Well, it's the same. He was only 18. He was a little baby-faced Dev Patel. But he did great in this movie, and I think it's bullshit. Well, yeah, but it, okay, it's the same thing with like Parasite, though. Like, the fucking father or son in Parasite, both of them? That's true. Both of them should have at least gotten a fucking nom. Yeah, I mean, the only place that Dev or the lead actress, Frida Pinto, actually got any love was at the BAFTAs, which is fine. They were both nominated there, but still, I think they deserved more recognition for their work in this movie. I think the only reason, well, A, because the Oscars could be racist. uh, Well, yeah, you know. uh, But B, B, just a lot... 
taking that out of my brain. Yeah. The other reason is Dev Patel is only one third of this character. That's true. I mean, yeah. Like that, that's true. He is interspaced throughout the movie, but he, there are two other actors who also play this character in the movie. Yeah, but he's in like the whole movie, and like once we get to the halfway point, he's pretty much yeah the I, whole thing. So in that type of story, I feel like that usually hurts people getting nominated or getting awards. This is also what I was talking about before as far as like unique movies that maybe you wouldn't have been exposed to normally and they kind of like blow your mind in a way. They they This movie blew my little 16-year-old mind and for a movie filmed in India with all Indian cast and uh, you know, it's very telling about this movie's quality that it won so heavily in a space filled with old white men <laughs> that generally speaking only really care about movies made by old white men. <laughs> Again, I don't think a I don't think this was the strongest class of movies, but yeah, this it, it does show a lot. Again, it would be interesting to see like if you actually got like a popular movie in there like if Dark Knight was nominated back then. Imagine, oh my god! Like that would have been an interesting conversation still to have. But uh, yeah, I I really love this movie, and I hadn't seen it in a while when we watched this, so it reminded me how much I loved it, and it was a nice little, nice little shot to the heart. And you're to blame. Your dad will be happy when he's listening to this because we made a Bon Jovi reference. <laughs> yes, I'm sure he'll he'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> the Eisenberg men are big fans of Bon Jovi, so you're welcome. All right, so let's let's get into the nitty gritty, shall we? Yes, let's do it. We start off this movie with a young, fresh-faced Dev Patel playing our main character Jamal, and he is sitting in a police interrogation room basically being tortured by a, an Indian police officer. Yeah. Punch, slapped, dunked head underwater. Right. And uh, a bit of text pops up on the screen. It reads, Mumbai, 2006. Jamal Malik is one question away from winning 20 million rupees. How did he do it? And then it gives you A, B, C, and D. Is he A, a cheat, B, lucky, C, a genius, or D, it is written? And I was like, ooh. <laughs> it could be seen as very pretentious uh, but a it, little it, bit. Uh, very, it, it is pretentious. I don't think, I, I like the, there's a big theme of destiny in this movie, which, you know, it, it is generally a pretty pretentious kind of, Oscar-y theme to put in a movie it's like destiny uh fate love it's like it's you my know, it's, density it's very moulin rougey but we'll let that go because i love this movie <laughs> i slid it in there guys i don't think she heard i heard it i wasn't paying attention <laughs> i was trying to get to my point 
so Dev Patel, for those of you who don't recognize the name, this was his big break at the time filming this. He was actually 18 years old, uh, like his character. And he has been in several movies. He's gotten a, a lot bigger over the years. He was in the movie Lion, the recent Netflix movie, I Lost My Body. One of my favorite roles of his is in the Aaron Sorkin television show called The Newsroom with Jeff Daniels. He was great in that. But he hasn't always had good roles. <laughs> Scott's not going to like this. I don't know if you realize this, but uh, two years after he was in this movie, he played Zuko in the in the Shyamalan Avatar movie. And he won. He was nominated for a Razzie for that role. <laughs> so he went from an Oscar-winning picture to a Razzie-nominated picture. God, I hate that movie so much. I, I haven't seen it, but oh. I certainly don't want to. But uh, despite D Dev Patel's m different quality of roles <laughs> that he's had over the years, uh, I really do like him as an actor. I think he's pretty underrated as an actor, actually. Like, I feel like not a lot of people saw the movie Lion that came out either last year or the year before. I didn't. It's really good, and he's great in it. Um, yeah, I know. You put it on uh, my Tubi. Yes, I did. It's a good... It's Because it's good, damn it. Um, <laughs> yeah, Frankie likes to do that, sneak movies onto my... I do, <laughs> while he's sleeping, because I get up early and he's still <sighs> snoring away, so I'll just, like, play with his phone and delete movies on his to-be-watched app that shouldn't be watched and then i i'm just trying to help out here i'm trying to do a service controlling she's controlling no me. i'm not <laughs> i'm trying to help you bro I'm trying to save you some time and pain although every time i look over at you you're watching some stupid fucking movie anyway so i mean wh not, what do i not know always the other day you were watching like the Last Stand, which if you don't know what that is, it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie with fucking uh, the guy from Jackass. What's his name? Johnny Knoxville. Yes, that guy. <laughs> it's it's shit. <laughs> I know because I have watched it and I'm trying to save my husband from that pain and he don't listen to me. He just don't listen. <laughs> Anywho, back to this actual good movie that we were talking about. So we learn that Jamal is this 18-year-old Muslim kid, basically. And he is currently a contestant on the Indian version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Do you remember that show, kids? <laughs> Before it was hosted by Terry Crews. And, uh... and it became, like, basically a completely different show. <laughs> like, I remember seeing that on TV one day, like, just, like, sitting in a doctor's office or something. And I'm like, this isn't Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. This isn't the same show that it was. <laughs> Like, it's totally, it doesn't really matter, though. But before the last question, which would, if he won, would get him 20 million rupees, Jamal is detained and tortured by police who suspect him of cheating. Cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. Yeah, it seems a little... Allegedly. Uh, yes. Uh, it seems a little uh, excessive. Well, you have to think of it this way, dear. This is for 20 million rupees. That's a lot. So they think that he's cheating. And the police inspector comes in, who is played by Irfan Khan. Who, who is a 
you know from like everywhere. He's been in a lot. Yeah, he's a well-known Indian actor who's done a lot of Hindi films, but he's also been in a lot of British and American films. He was in Life of Pi. He was in Jurassic World. He recently passed away, I think, last year. Yeah, I think it was last year or two years ago. But yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. But he comes in and he says to the police officer torturing him, he's like, no one's gotten this far in the game. Like, he's definitely cheating. Like, we got to figure this out because he can't go back on the show. Like, this is bullshit. We got to find out that he's cheating. So the inspector pulls Jamal aside and he's like, okay, how did you know these answers? And the rest of the movie essentially is going through every question that he answered on the show and flashing back to a point in his life where he learned, like where through these horrible events in his life, he somehow learned the answers to these questions. So for example, the inspector turns on the TV and is playing back Jamal's performance on the show. And they look at his first question and the host asks Jamal, who is the star of the 1973 film Zanjir? And it immediately cuts to a flashback of little Jamal at like five years old with his older brother, Salim, and they live in this slum in Mumbai. This movie was actually filmed in India, and it really does a great job, I think, of like putting you in that situation, putting you in to that life through this little boy's eyes. Yeah, they're like... uh the best way to describe it, they're like street urchins. Yes, they. I was. I made a joke while we were watching it. They give off very Aladdin-y vibes because at one point they're like, do, like making a ruckus, like Salim and Jamal and like a bunch of their little friends, and they end up getting chased by a policeman. And as they're running through the streets and whatnot, like through the slums, and you get little glimpses of the life they live and the environment that they are surrounded in. But as they're running and this giant, like fucking <laughs> police officers chasing them, all I'm thinking is gotta keep one jump ahead of the bread line, one swing ahead of the sword. I steal only what I can afford. That's everything. <laughs> I start singing Aladdin in well, the middle of the thing. Well, there's a one point where I actually was thinking of Spider-Man because uh, as, the, as the cops chasing that, just chasing Jamal and Salim, a bunch of the other kids are like on rooftops throwing stuff down at the garbage men. And I was thinking of Green Goblin getting thrown shit. She oh, yeah, yeah, from, yeah. Uh, bridge. <laughs> you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Jamal and Salim's mother comes in. And it's like, oh, I'm so sorry, officer. I'll, I'll take care of them from here. I, I'm really sorry about that. And you see her, like, drag them by their ears in a classroom and drop them off, like, go fucking learn something. So there's uh, Jamal and Salim are sitting in this overcrowded little classroom with this really loud and obnoxious, abusive teacher. And he's reading the book, The Three Musketeers, to them, to the kids. And... Jamal and Salim aren't really paying attention. They're like, you know, fucking around. And the teacher takes the book and smacks Jamal over the head with it. So that will come up later. <laughs> Don't you worry. In a fantastic fucking way. Put a pin here. Yes, put a pin in that. Okay. <laughs> 
But then we get another scene with young Jamal and Salim and they're charging people to use the bathroom. Yeah, Salim is outside of this bunch of outhouses and he's charging people to use the outhouse. But Jamal is in there doing his business and <laughs> there's a customer outside like wanting to use it. He's like haggling with Salim and then all of a sudden everything stops. Everybody goes crazy because a helicopter is flying overhead and everyone gets so excited and starts chasing after the helicopter because a very famous Bollywood actor is in the helicopter. Yeah. Uh, they show like a mini like reel of his here. Which... I think he's an actual Bollywood actor. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name, but <laughs> well, Salim locks Jamal in the outhouse. Cause he's like, fuck you. You lost me a customer. I'm going to go see the famous guy and you're stuck in the shit house. Ha ha ha. But Jamal, <laughs> Jamal does not take that line down. Oh, no, no, no. Scott, what does he do? Oh, God. <laughs> this is one. Of, this is the first point where you see, though, that Salim is a little shit. He is a little shit. And Jamal will do anything to get what he wants. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's why I love Jamal. Jamal's like the best. So Jamal looks down into... The big the sh- old pile of shit, as Jeff Goldblum would say. Uh, has a picture of the celebrity in his hand and goes, I'm going to do this. And leaps into the shit, it, into a bloop, like he yeah. is swallowed. Like, legit. By the poop. It's just very indicative of, like, the life he lives. <laughs> like, he's just a big old pile of shit. <laughs> But he does get out, and he does get exactly what he wants. He runs through this crowd, and the crowd basically parts for him like the Red Sea because he's smelling because he smells like, like shit. hot shit. Yeah, <laughs> and um, he hands this Bollywood actor his picture, and the guy signs it. And little Jamal, little five-year-old shit-covered Jamal, just dances and screams in victory. <laughs> It's the weirdest but cutest thing you ever did see. <laughs> and then while he's getting washed by his mother, Salim fucking sells the picture to some other fucking guy. Yeah. So this, yeah, it's it's basically showing right off the bat, Salim is, he's very streetwise, which I mean, he kind of has to be. He's the older brother. He takes care of Jamal, but at the same time, He's out for himself, and he knows what he has to do to survive, essentially. Yeah, that's. I think that's more of what it is. I wouldn't even call... Yeah, you call it streetwise, but yeah, I would say Salim is much more... I'm going to survive no matter what if I have to sacrifice Jamal right. or... Yeah, exactly. ...other characters later on, I will do it. Because he, he does care about his brother he does there are times where he's protective of him but it only goes to a certain point there is a point in this movie where we'll get to it when we get to it but he realizes that jamal is a liability and he has to let him go despite the fact that salim is an asshole there is a sympathetic vein to him because you know what environment he's grown up in as well as jamal so that i do like that the fact that they do grow up in the slums plays a giant role in who they become and in their both their characters. So after this, we see the boys and their mom, and all of a sudden, 
the mom looks out and she sees this mob rushing towards them and it's the Bombay riots and we see um, the mom basically tells the boys to run and as she does that the mom is killed in the riots and the boys are completely on their own and they have to just run for their lives she tells them to leave turns around and takes like a stick to the head basically yeah and like you see the the guys in the riots they're beating these people because they're muslim because the bombay riots was essentially um the hindus attacking the muslims so after after we see that pretty gruesome scene we cut back to jamal in in the hot seat on millionaire and we see him answering his next question which was in depictions of the god Rama, which is a Hindu god, what is he holding in his right hand? And the inspector guy is asking him, okay, so how'd you know the answer to that question? And Jamal says, if it weren't for the fighting between Hindus and Muslims, my mom would still be alive. So I, I fucking know about yeah Hindu, bitch, okay? <laughs> so it, again, it's... a really powerful depiction of that culture and what people in that culture have gone through so Salim and Jamal they run off and they're hiding out and in the process of that they meet a little girl named Latika and Jamal immediately wants to take her in and have her travel with them and like help her and Selena's like no she's just gonna hold us back like fuck off no but she could be our third musketeer yeah <laughs> that's what Jamal says and then Selena's like bitch please we don't even know the name of the third musketeer we're what's it called we're we're Athos and Portos but do we even remember the third name no now I want you to also put a pin in that <laughs> Put a big old pin in that because <laughs> that's going to come back later. But eventually Jamal tells Latika to come with them and they become the three musketeers, the three of them. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. We're the three best friends that anyone can have. And we'll never, ever, 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 ever leave each other. And then it cuts to a little later. And the three of them get picked up by this gangster who we don't really know at first, like, what's going on, but it, it just gives you a generally creepy vibe. But eventually we learn that this fucking creepy-ass gangster is picking up street kids all over the place, taking them in, and then training them to be beggars. He wins them over with some nice, cold, refreshing Coca-Cola. Ah, but, but Scott... The Beatles don't exist, therefore, Coca-Cola doesn't exist. <gasps> God damn you, Danny Boyle. I don't even know that, like, anyway, we're not getting into that again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, Salim, because he's such a hothead little asshole, he becomes, like, the head kid, little protege. He, he's of the, the head bitch. Yeah, he's, like, the little protege of the main gangster. It seems like he he likes that power. Yeah, he kind of he kind of leans into that power. Like he at one point, 
Jamal's trying to get him to like stop being such an asshole and he just snaps on him and yells at him. But then he realizes that the gangster guy, in order to get some of these kids to be better, quote unquote, beggars, more lucrative beggars, he is blinding them by literally taking their eyes out with like a spoon. It's really just awful and ugh. So the main gangster guy, he goes to Salim and says, hey, go get Jamal. Bring him over here. And Salim is like, uh, and the gangster leans down to him and he's like, look, kid, now's the time. You got to make your decision. Do you want to be a fucking high roller like me or do you want to be a nobody piece of shit from the slums? Like, what do you want? And... Salim goes to get Jamal who is like off to the side somewhere having a cute little conversation with Latika like oh we're gonna be rich and we're gonna move into a big mansion you me and Salim the three musketeers la di da da and um Salim shows up and he takes Jamal over to the gangster and Latika is kind of like following behind them like sneaking around like watching so Salim takes Jamal to the gangster and Instead of, obviously, assisting to blind his brother, Salim attacks the gangster, pushes him away, and him and Jamal escape. Latika runs behind them, and they run to the nearest train station, where a train is slowly but surely taking off. Jamal and Salim get on the train. Latika is trailing behind. She grabs Salim's hand, and then Salim, at the last second, purposely lets go of Latika's hand. And the gangster grabs her and that's it. And then they're they're gone. Jamal is like fighting with him. He wants to go back and get her. But Salim is like, Ah, she'll be fine. Everything's fine. But the monsters. It's fine. It's fine. Are you sure? Because she has zero adventurer training. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's fine. She'll be fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah, they sneak onto this train and become train hobos. But I, I think that it is interesting for Salim's character, I think. Again, he is an asshole. He ultimately, for most of the movie, is looking out for himself. But when push comes to shove, he's not going to hand his brother over to some fucking psychopath to mutilate him. Well, <laughs> so I- there is some kind of line. Um, there is a line. Yes, you can argue that that's the purpose here, but I also think... At some point, he realizes that if he does give up his brother, he has no other allies, really. But he would be in the organization. Until he was no longer necessary. I don't... I think he has love for his brother. He doesn't want his brother to be fucking mutilated. (laughs) Because later on in the movie, after their escape, Jamal and Salim do come back to Mumbai to look for Latika and they find one of the boys that was blinded and they, t- and Jamal talks to him and it's, it's weird. Cause you see in that moment, it, it's a very short scene, but you see Jamal kind of realizing what very easily could have happened to him. And the reason it didn't is because of Salim. So, Salim does a lot of awful things in this movie and I I don't even know if I would say that he's redeemed even by the end but there is conflict in him 
Anakin Skywalker. Your thoughts betray you, Father. I feel the good in you. The conflict. There is no conflict. I like that it's not clear cut. I like that it's not he's just horrible and does all horrible things all the time and he's just this evil fucking rotten kid. Yeah, you could, uh, again, you could look at it that way. I, I think he is much more of a little shit and uh, I think... <laughs> he's a little shit. Oh, so now we get to the train hobo scene. Yeah. They're traveling on top of trains, getting by just by the skin of their teeth, like selling goods, stealing food from the train cars, blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> the, the most interesting thing about this scene is the song that is playing during this montage. <laughs> it's quite a, a, a one hit wonder of the times. Oh, yeah. MIA paper planes. I fly like paper, get like planes. If you catch me at the border, I go visas in my name. If you come around here, I'll make a more day. I get one down in a second if you wait. Yeah, this is a song. I remember when this song was popular. This was one of the biggest songs in the fucking world at the time. Yeah, definitely. It but, is a good song, though. It, it like It's very catchy and fun. Yeah, it's catchy. But the biggest thing about this whole thing is towards the end of the train hobo scene, Jamal's hanging by a rope from the side of the train trying to steal food. And uh, him and Salim both fall off the train, which would have totally killed Jamal. By the way, he oh yeah, saying, both their little necks would have been snapped in two. But I mean, movie magic, kids. Movie magic. Uh, they fall into a cloud of dust, and suddenly they're three or four years older. Yeah, they're like you know they're in that awkward tween teen stage. It seems like, and they are smack dab in front of the Taj Mahal. They're just like walking around aimlessly, and Jamal kind of uh falls into this interesting little scam business that eventually becomes the whole fucking little enterprise run by jamal and salim jamal essentially bullshits his way into being a de facto tour guide for like stupid white people (laughs) and uh it's kind of a funny scene he just like completely bs's all these random facts about the taj mahal and as time goes on, you get like another little mini montage of Jamal taking these people out on tours, these clueless white people, and then a band of marauders led by Salim robs them and like takes all their shit. The most notable moment where that happens, there's this American couple and they're driving through the town. They leave their car and go to a beach with Jamal and Salim herds all of these other kids to this car and completely strips it bare steals the fucking tires steals all the luggage and everything in the car and Jamal comes back with the couple and there's a police officer there and he starts beating the shit out of Jamal and this is a white American couple's like no don't hurt this child here here son we'll show you the American way and they just like pull out a hundred dollar bill and give it to Jamal and be like here son you take that even though like what's he supposed to do with that it's a fucking hundred dollar bill what's he supposed to do with that in India well apparently uh, it, it translates well over to rupees yeah, but he's a little kid. Like, I don't think they're going to let him exchange that. I'm sure it worked out. <laughs> well, funnily enough, it cuts back to 
the game show at this point. And the question that he's answering is, what American figure is on the $100 bill? And because of what happened there, Jamal knows the answer. Yeah. Are are you sensing a pattern now, Scott? (laughs) Every horrible thing that's happened in this kid's life has somehow translated to becoming useful (laughs) later on in life. So the next flashback scene that we see is a scene that I feel like isn't really talked about a lot in this movie. So I I did want to mention it. There's a theater thing, like a, a theater in the round situation going on under the Taj Mahal. And Jamal, Salim, and the other kids, they kind of like sneak in and watch it through the bleachers or whatever. Also, while they're uh, stealing money out of people's bags and shit. Ah, yes, yes. You know, pickpockets. <laughs> Riff raff, street rat, you know. So as the other kids are pickpocketing, Jamal is watching the opera that's going on on stage. And what I found really interesting is that the opera that they're watching is an, an interpretation of the Greek tale of Orpheus and Eurydice. It, it's essentially a, a very tragic love story. If you don't know it, uh, look up Town, the musical, the, the more recent musical that just won Best Musical, I think, like last year, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Um, it, it's an amazing musical. That, could, that feels like 20 years ago, though. It basic, I know, because COVID. Ah. But anyway, it... it does a great interpretation of that story with some fucking great music. As Jamal is watching this opera unfold, he thinks back to Latika. So he takes his brother and drags him all the way back to Mumbai. Yeah, he, he drags him back to Mumbai. And they're like, we're going to find her. And eventually they do. They discover that the the gangster that they were dealing with years before when they were kids, he actually is uh, grooming Latika to eventually become a prostitute. So the boys kind of barge in and they save her. Salim actually whips out a gun, which Jamal knew nothing about. He looked shocked as fuck when that happened, but he pulls out a gun and he ends up shooting the big time fucking gangster. And they go hide out in this stingy motel room while Jamal and Latika are in the room kind of bonding and it's very cute. Celine goes out and he tracks down basically the, the second biggest gangster behind the fucking guy that he just murdered. He's goes and tracks down this other guy named Javed and he's like hey I killed this fucking gangster that you hate I'm here I want to work for you and Javed's like okay so Salim ends up going back to the hotel room and he essentially says to Jamal get the fuck out I'm taking Latika with me and Jamal starts fighting him and Salim ends up pushing him out of the room And when Jamal tries to get back in, Salim opens the door and he pulls out the gun and he holds it at Jamal. And says, Colt 45 tells you to shut the fuck up. And he's like, just go. Get the fuck out and don't come back. And Latika is just trying to calm Jamal down because she doesn't want him to get fucking shot. So she's just like, just go, Jamal, go. And they close the door and that's it. Jamal 
is gone. And then they cut back to the fucking game show. And the next question is, who invented the fucking revolver? <laughs> and he's like, uh, Samuel Colt <laughs> for 500, Alex. Oh, wait, that's the wrong game show. There's a daily cash prize of $1,000 and fuck. Rest in peace, Alex. You're back. So now we cut two years later. And we finally have Dev Patel playing Jamal in the flashbacks as well. So little little Dev Patel, little baby face Dev Patel. He's working in an Indian call center. And he's sitting at the computer and he decides to try to look up Latika and Salim. And he calls a few numbers and eventually he gets Salim. He meets up with him. He fantasizes about fucking beating his ass and throwing him off a building. <laughs> but then it cuts back to him and he just punches him in the face. Which felt good. Yeah. Felt good. It he did. had it coming. <laughs> yeah. He only had himself to blame. If you'd have been there, if you'd have seen it, I bet you, you would have done the same. How did, I love how in the beginning of this episode you were like, oh God, I was so, I avoided watching this movie because I thought it was a fucking musical and we've referenced, I think, several musicals at this point. <laughs> so, um... We learn that over the years, Salim has become a, a high-ranking lieutenant in Javed's organization. But Salim basically begs for Jamal's forgiveness. And he's like, hey, you know, come, come stay with me at my apartment. Uh, you know, we can be brothers again. Jamal is pretty reluctant, I would say. Because he feels so betrayed, obviously, by his brother. He fucking shit on him and kicked him out and he pointed the gun at his head uh yeah that there was that uh <laughs> he asked salim about latika and salim is like oh god you're still hung up on her she's gone jamal she's she's long gone and it's pretty obvious that he doesn't necessarily trust that so he takes it upon himself to track down latika so he kind of lies his way into Javed's estate yes pretending to be the dishwasher yes and he immediately finds her Jamal makes his way into the house and he makes his way into the kitchen and she's just standing there looking at the door like like she's waiting for him and they just have this moment where they look at each other and it's so oh it's so cute and they embrace and it's like oh my god and he's like I finally found you and it's just like such a cute moment yeah it is definitely cute it's they both act very well and it's it's done well she's of course watching who wants to be a millionaire yeah they they make a point to uh to show that she is watching the show jamal's like why do you watch this crap and he's like she's like oh it's escapism and latika grown latika is played by frida pinto and this was also her first movie at the time filming this she was 24 years old and fun fact, after this movie, Dev Patel and Frida Pinto actually dated in real life. Oh, cute. For about five, six years. So, and you can tell because they definitely have chemistry together. Yeah. But yeah, she she was great in this and their relationship in the movie is, is really solid. And it's very sweet. He tells her that he loves her and he wants her to run away with him and she tries to push him away and tell him to just forget about her because 
Javed will fucking kill you and me if we even try to do anything. And he's like, listen, I'm going to wait for you. Every day I'm going to wait for you at the train station at 5 o'clock and you meet me there and we'll run away together. And she's just like, oh, get the fuck out. And then they cut back to the game show and they're asking him a question about cricket, a cricket player, which is important, sticks out in his mind because during this whole scene where he's confessing his love to Latika and trying to get her to run away with him, fucking Javed is in the living room watching a cricket game, screaming and hollering like a crazy person. The juxtaposition between this horrible dictator-like psycho in the other room and they're having this quiet, intimate moment 20 feet away. It's, it's, a good, it's a good fucking scene. But then you cut back to the game show and... They go to the commercial break. During the commercial break, Jamal is in the bathroom and the host of the show comes into the bathroom. Now, the host of this show... Has been a dick this entire fucking time. Yes, but he's kind of like the typical, like, oh, I'm the... I'm, this is my show. I'm the cool guy. You know, he's got that fake, bullshitty kind of... Alex Trebek, he is not. Oh, no, certainly not. Alex Trebek was the fucking king. He was the coolest around. The host goes to the bathroom... And he's in there with Jamal. And because he's so annoyed by Jamal's success in this game and his popularity among the audience, he gets annoyed with it because it's taking attention off of him or whatever. It's like, you know, oh, this is my show. So he attempts to feed Jamal the wrong answer to this 10 million rupee cricket question. He like, as he's leaving the bathroom... He writes in the condensation on the mirror, the letter B. So after the commercial break, they go out there and they do the question. And Jamal, I I think the idea of this is that he knows the answer. But because the host guy gave him the feed that is the wrong answer he's questioning himself so he does the 50 50 lifeline if you don't know what that is on who wants to be a millionaire they have lifelines and and one of them is 50 50 where there's four answers a b c or d and the 50 50 takes out two of them leaving you two answers and so when he uses the lifeline the two answers that are left are b and d and B, obviously, is the wrong answer that was fed to him by the host. And D is the correct answer. So Jamal, after doing some banter with the host guy, he answers D. D as in dog. And the host guy's like, uh, not, not, not B? Are you sure? And he's like, no, I'm sure. D. <laughs> yeah, the host gave it away way too quick. Yeah, and Jamal kind of sees through it. So he answers D and he, of course, is correct and he moves on to the big 20 million rupee question but unfortunately the episode ends and he's like oh you'll have to come back tomorrow to see if jamal can win the big money and um, i hated when they did that on the game show yeah but i mean dramatic effect you know so because of this the host tips off the police that hey this kid is cheating you you should find out if how he's doing it 
So that's what gets him into the situation that he's in the very beginning of the movie. He gets kidnapped basically by the police and tortured, yada, yada, yada. And we get a flashback at that moment to Jamal waiting at the train station for Latika. And Scott didn't think that she was going to show up. No, I didn't. I thought eventually it was going to end up coming down to like he wins the money. Then she shows up. He like buys their freedom or something. Right. Well, that, that didn't have that would have been good, too. But that didn't actually happen. What happened was what had happened was he's waiting at the train station and he does seem like he's a little discouraged. But then he looks out into the crowded train station and he sees her. He sees Latika. This is my favorite sequence in the movie. You know me. If you listen to our Moulin Rouge episode, I'm all about the love, guys. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. He sees Latika on the other side of the train station. And he's screaming her name, Latika, Latika. And they have this beautiful moment where they see each other across the way and they have this, like, their eyes meet and it's so like, yay, oh, finally, it's all going to work out. But then obviously, you know, it's not because <laughs> Jamal sees Salim and his band of fucking goons, Javed's goons. His cronies. Yeah, they're running after Latika. So he's he's still screaming her name, Latika, Latika, and he's pointing out towards Salim. Jamal is running like a fucking bat out of hell trying to chase them down. But he just misses them as Salim and his men pull Latika into his car. And cut her face. They, he's, they, uh, they have a knife out and Jamal sees them in the car and he's screaming and they slash her face and they drive off and he can't get to her and it's it's just it's such a fucking oh it's like a heart-wrenching scene again i still feel like salim is a piece of shit we're 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 getting towards the the climax of climaxes here yes so we're back in present day we're in the police station with the inspector and he tells jamal listen i'm going to let you back on the show because I don't think you're cheating. I believe you. It's it's all it's a it's a fucking crazy story, but I believe you're telling the truth. Also, so. you admitted to murder here, so you were fine. Well, yeah, you you basically that's he does say that too. Like you basically admitted to being an accessory to murder, so I don't think you're lying about it. So I'll I'll let you go back on the show. <laughs> it, it's it's oh, okay, it's it's so. it's a, a kind of like let the kid play moment. Yeah, essentially, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile. Latika is watching the news and all they're talking about is Jamal because he's about to win this fucking game show that no one's ever won in the country before and he's about to fucking be a millionaire. So it's a big deal and Salim is also watching it and you can tell he is feeling pretty fucking guilty right now while Javed and all his other little play things are partying and getting freaky Salim slips out of the room and goes to Latika and hands her a cell phone and his car keys and says go you're never gonna have a better chance than right now go go find Jamal and Latika is like hesitant she doesn't really know if she can trust it at first but th this is essentially Salim 
kind of being redeemed like you can you can tell he's feeling really guilty he's seeing his brother on tv and he knows that he's on tv to try to get to latika jamal he even says it to the inspector and it's a great moment the inspector asks jamal how did you get on the show why did you do this in the first place and jamal says i don't know where they've taken her latika went on the show because I thought she'd be watching. And it's just like, oh, it's a powerful moment. Yeah, but in this moment, Salim goes, I'm sorry for everything. Which basically means, to this point, Salim was out for himself this entire fucking movie, and he's proven my point. I don't believe his protection bullshit because he knows it. He knows he's a selfish motherfucker. And if at any point he saw that Jamal wasn't going to be his safety net... He was going to drop him like a fly. I I guess you can see it that way too. That's okay. That's a fair interpretation. But I I do agree either way with Javed when Salim gets the job with Javed and he basically kicks Jamal out and takes Latika. That is all about him. And at that point, he sees Jamal as a liability because he knows how close he is with Latika and he won't let this happen. So he has to kick Jamal out in order to make this work with Javed. So I do agree that, you know, his survival instinct took over any caring that he could have possibly had for Jamal. And in this moment where he lets Latika go, you get the tiniest bit of redemption for that because... I think in this moment he realizes he really doesn't have anything (laughs) despite the fact that Jamal is he's not in this underground life and he doesn't have a whole shit ton of money or anything but he still has his love for Latika and that keeps him going so I I feel like Salim in that moment realizes like I'm never gonna have that like I need to I need to let Latika go so I can do this one good thing for my brother after everything I've done to him. And I I think that's a really good fucking moment. Yeah, it's definitely a good moment. So Latika takes the car, takes the phone, and she escapes. We cut back to Jamal. And this is like, I was so excited for this moment. Because I knew it was coming and I was like, my emotions, my emotions. We're heading into the 20 million rupee question and it's very exciting. I was ready. I was like, yeah, but this motherfucker who tried to throw him in jail is like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was funny. He like leads him out in the beginning of the episode, the host, and it's like, la di da di da and I can just picture Jamal in his head like, bitch, you tried to fucking put me in prison. Like, fuck you. So the last question, the 20 million rupee question is upon us. And remember uh, a little bit ago, I told you to put those pins in the scenes about the Three Musketeers. Well, feel free to remove those pins right now. Oh, God, it's falling apart. Oh, no, no. It's all coming together because the final question is drumroll, please. What is the name of the third musketeer and if you'll remember they specifically fucking say 
earlier on that they don't know the name of the third musketeer. They only know the first two. So Jamal starts laughing and he just says to the host, he's like, oh, sh I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the answer to this. So he uses his lifeline, his final lifeline, phone a friend. They start calling this random, we don't know who it is at first, but it's ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing. And Scott kind of looked a little perplexed. And I'm like, hey, Scott, um, who's the only person that he would have a phone number for? And he's like, oh, his brother. Oh, but who has his brother's phone? And he's like, oh. And I was like, yep. And the thing is, at this point, Latika had been driving through town trying to get to the studio to see Jamal. But the traffic was so crazy that she had gotten out of the car and run down to like an electronics store and started watching the show from the electronics store because there's like TVs in the window and you can watch the TVs. So she's watching Jamal sit there while this phone is ringing and the host says to Jamal like, who are we calling right now? And he's like, it's my brother. It's the only phone number I have. And Latika's like, oh my God, I left the phone in the car. So she has to run through all of these cars. It's very uh, romantic tropey where she's, you know, <laughs> running through the streets trying to get to the thing. So she finally gets to the car at the last minute. She answers the phone and the look on Jamal's face is just priceless because at that moment, as soon as he hears her voice, he does not give a fuck about the show anymore, which you can just see it immediately on his face. Scott, did you, did you feel the intensity of that moment? Did you did you feel it? Do you feel it now, Mr. Krabs? Art thou feeling it now, Mr. Krabs? Why am I Mr. Krabs in this situation? Because that's the fucking reference I use. So <laughs> you're Mr. Krabs. Uh, and I'm SpongeBob. Okay. <laughs> that was a terrible SpongeBob, but continue. Yes. Um I felt it. I, I felt the emotion and I felt the relief on Jamal's face when she was safe. And then uh of course the mobster hears Latika's voice on the show. He's like, Latika! Salim! Yeah, Salim! So Latika, she laughs too, and she says, I, I don't know the answer either. And he just does not give a fuck. He's just like, are you safe? Are you okay? And she's like, yes, I'm safe. The phone call is being cut off because it gets cut off after a certain amount of time. In Hindi, Latika is starting to say to Jamal, God is with you. And it gets cut off. And I thought that that was a good little nugget because it feeds into the themes of like destiny. And th there is a little sub theme of, of God in this. And we'll get to that even more with Salim and Salim's next scene. But the phone call with Latika ends and Jamal is given the option to essentially take the money and run and walk away with the 10 million rupees that he's already won. And Jamal is just like, no, no, I'm I'm going to play. The host asked, but why? 10 million rupees is a fortune. You could walk away with that and that, be happy. That's it. And to answer his question, why? Jamal just goes, just because. <laughs> you start with none, end with none. You didn't. It's fine. <laughs> Going. He's going to live off of love, Scott. <laughs> he guesses, Aramaeus. You are correct, sir. <laughs> and, uh. He wins the grand prize. 
Yes, and it's a, a crazy moment, you know, streamers and cheering, and it's a big, it's, it's a big hoopla. Hoopla! But juxtaposed with that scene, we see Javed and his goons are trying to break down the bathroom door because Salim has locked himself in the bathroom, and he's just poured a bunch of money into the bathtub and he's like sitting in the bathtub waiting for the door to get broken down and as Jamal is winning Javed breaks down the door Salim shoots Javed and then the goons shoot him in the bathtub full of money right so and Salim knew that that was going to happen so essentially he committed suicide by fucking shootout essentially (laughs) and he hears on the TV as he's dying in the bathtub, he's hearing Jamal winning this money and getting all of this praise and cheers and everything. Slum dog millionaire. Ah, ah, he said it. He said it. Correct. And as he's dying in the bathtub, his last words are, God is great. And he dies. And I'm like, ooh, that's it's powerful shit. I just I, I love that moment, especially coming from Salim, who has been so jaded and beaten down by the environment he was born into and also the environment that he chose when he went down this path of, of organized crime, you know. But still, he sees his brother prospering, becoming the slumdog millionaire, as, as it were, and he says, God is great. It just show like, I don't know. I just, I love, I love the themes of this movie, man. I love the themes of destiny. I love the themes of faith and hope. It's just, it's a fucking, it's good shit. Scott doesn't care though that Salim died because he's a piece of shit. Uh, pretty much. Uh, no, <laughs> the the whole faith thing I felt was kind of like thrown in at the end though. I, I, I don't know, like destiny, like the whole God thing. I almost felt like it was just trying to, I mean, it goes hand in hand with Destiny because it's, it yeah. is written. Who's it written by? Some higher power, you know what I mean? Some higher power is behind that. Yeah, I guess. But it kind of felt, I don't know, like and added there, on. It's, it's definitely like a, a sub theme, I would say. Because even in the beginning when we had the scene with the, the Bombay riots and the relation to religion and everything, there it's, it's not a... A main theme it's kind of a minor theme connected to the major theme of destiny and i guess yeah all that stuff Uh, yeah i guess that's true but yeah but then we get our our last scene and jamal is after winning this fucking huge reality show and winning all this money and having this historic moment he goes back to the train station and he sits there on the side of the train station waiting for Latika. And on the other side of the train station, she's standing there. And I think it was interesting, too. I think it was an interesting choice. In the first train station scene and in this scene, she's wearing yellow, which I think is interesting. It's like a bright kind of standout color. I would think it signifies how, like, in in Jamal's mind, at least, how rare and beautiful she is, and how how much of a standout human in his life she really is. So he goes across all these train tracks to get to her, and Scott 
thought he was going to get hit by a fucking train. I didn't think that. I was joking about that just because it's like, oh, he's running across the tracks. He's like hopping up and down the tracks. And like, And right as he's about to get to her, he stops on the tracks and like train. <laughs> but thankfully he doesn't get plowed by a train. That would kind of be anticlimactic. But I, I have to admit at this point, I did tear up a little bit. I, I, you know, I had some nice nostalgia for this point in the movie and everything they've gone through to get to this point. It felt really good to just see them finally reunited. And they kiss and he tells her that this is our destiny and life is beautiful. And then the scene fades to black. That original question from the beginning of the movie, how did Jamal do it? You know, A, B, C, and D. And then it, focuses on uh, the option D. It is written. And then it fades to black. <laughs> Which technically it was written. It was for book first. True. <laughs> True. But I, I know it sounds like corny and obviously again, it is a little pretentious and Oscar Beatty. Fine. It, it's not as pretentious as some other Oscar movies. Like I said, I think it's unique in the fact that despite it being about Indian culture that not a lot of Oscar voters maybe have a real connection to, it still is incredibly accessible to a general audience because of the themes and the characters and the story. And... Yeah, it's it swept the Oscars for a reason, you guys. Okay, let's put it that way. But we get our, our end credit scene. Yes, there's an end credit scene. This is a fucking MCU movie. Uh, and we get our little Bollywood moment through the end credits of a huge crowd of dancers led by Dev Patel and Frida Pinto dancing to Jai Ho, which is the Oscar winning song from this movie, which I think is a pretty decent banger i actually still like that song yeah it's pretty good it, it's a good song uh i do like uh occasionally they cut to just dev patel and frida pinto dancing together and then their younger versions dancing together yes that was very cute uh because as much as this is a big bollywood dance number it's also j- just them so it's actually like their just happiness together yeah has exploded into this dance number but it's really just them yeah i love that I really do. It seems like it comes out of nowhere and like it totally does, but for some weird reason it works. And that's the scene I saw and that's probably why I thought this was a Bollywood That's what musical. I think. Yeah, probably. But yeah, that was Slumdog Millionaire. This movie is the reason why I'm an Oscar nerd. So for everyone who gets annoyed by my Oscar bullshit talk, you're welcome. <laughs> Blame this movie. <laughs> Blame Danny Boyle. And Dev Patel. <laughs> Damn you, Danny boy. No, that's fine. Um, but Scott, what did you think about this movie? Again, yeah, I, I thought it was very good. Uh, some of the editing's a little wonky to me. Uh, yeah, the the editing, to be fair, like we should talk about that because we didn't really touch on that a lot. So, um, yeah, to be fair, the editing is a little weird at parts. Like, for example. When Jamal is walking towards Latika, we get him experiencing like flashbacks throughout his entire childhood. And then we get 
another flashback back to the first time where they were at the train station together and he's chasing after Latika, but it's like in reverse and it's yeah, this weird yeah. it's it's a weird choice but like again i feel like some of the editing choices in this movie are weird for sure and some of them are a little out of place but i think that one in particular kind of worked yeah there's a lot of just it, the editing is weird and it has some odd choices to it and and a couple times that took me out of the movie okay that's of uh, that's a fair i'll give you that that's fair but overall overall how did you feel about this movie dev patel does a good job when he when he's in the movie he does do a good job with the movie uh i agree we didn't really talk about your acting who you didn't like acting wise it's just like salim is fine like he's he's fine i just i'm never again i he doesn't really stand out as far as his performance he doesn't stand out that's true he he's not you know i found him more yes he could be a very conflicted character but i don't feel like they get enough of that across to show the conflict that's that's fair i i kind of feel like like, from the very beginning he's just a little shit (laughs) um i i definitely think the standout performance acting wise is dev patel and i think it explains a lot as far as his career trajectory from that point yeah definitely and like again everybody else did a decent a good enough job where it made the movie go pretty well it ju- yeah, it's just like the other main character of this movie in Salim, I feel like could have been more well-rounded of a character. That's a fair assessment. Overall, again, the story is well done. The story is good. Flashbacks can get a little frustrating at times with how many times you do flashback. Because there, there were quite a few times where they flashback to that point where he sees her down on the train tracks. Yes. And they just kind of kept coming back to that. Yeah, that was one of the editing choices that just the way they did visually, like some of the flashbacks was a little jarring at times. But overall, I th- I think the editing still worked Yeah, for, for the most part. There are times where it gets a little... Uh, overall, yeah. Uh, I feel like a like little much. There also is a... Especially earlier on in the movie, there is a tendency to be like, we just have to montage here montage to get through these people's lives so we can get to the point where we get Dev Patel in the actual movie I think we have like three montages in this movie yeah so overall Scott how would you rate this movie out of five I think I'm going to end up giving it a four okay I'm probably more around like a 3.75 okay but I can't give it that on Leatherboxed so, um, before watching, before rewatching this movie, I had this rated as a four and a half. And after watching it again, I've I've kept my rating exactly the same. I think that this is a four and a half for sure. It's not a perfect film, but it's unique. It's well done. Its themes are strong. Its lead is strong in Dev Patel, and uh, the music is banging. And yeah, I just, I really, I really love this movie and I'm glad I rewatched it because again, hadn't seen it in quite a few years, I think. And I was worried, you know, when you haven't seen a movie in a long time, you think maybe it won't be the same. 
but like this movie was so important to me personally so I was I was particularly worried about this that I wouldn't like it as much this time around but I still love it it's a good fucking movie man if you're not a generally an Oscar movie person but you maybe want to dip your toe in the Oscar pond this is a good movie to maybe start with yeah, it's definitely one of the ones that I, I could see people enjoying. So yeah, I definitely would say if yeah, if you're not even if you're not a big Oscar person, this isn't a bad movie to watch. It's a fu- it's it's dramatic. It's Dev Patel's pretty good, and it's 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 an interesting watch. And it's definitely it's definitely something you have to go in with the right mindset. I don't feel like this is a movie you watch every day. No, definitely not. It's it's heavy. Yeah. It's heavy, but it's good. You leave with good feels. Heavy feels, but good feels. Yeah. So, next week... We take a hard left turn. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going a, a hard left turn down the fucking black hole of fuckery. <laughs> uh, we are watching our last film in our little... Star Wars monthly series we've been doing on the show uh, and for our December partake in Star Wars we will be watching the dreaded Star Wars holiday special oh no oh no oh no oh no oh no oh yeah oh it's it's gonna be rough guys I've never actually seen it yeah have you seen it yeah oh no okay so this is gonna be interesting guys but thankfully (laughs) it will be quite a send-off for our star wars series i think (laughs) yeah it'll definitely be (laughs) and and quite an entrance into our holiday excursion into shoot the flick yes it's gonna be very interesting a very interesting holiday season i think so too so uh until then this has been shoot the flick an official paradoja podcast I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at ShootTheFlick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And please, if you could, the voting is still open for Best of Long Island. We are nominated for Best Podcast, so please, if you could, vote for us. Uh, Information to do so will be on our Twitter and Instagram. And you can vote once every day until December 15th. So get out there and vote. You thought voting was over after (laughs) November 3rd? Oh, no, no, no. Voting is still going on. All over the country, vote for us. And make sure you come back next week for our galactic, horrifying movie adventure. 